struggling with an anxiety disorder when I was little. I had, um, I was diagnosed with it and then gradually progressed and then turned into a panic disorder. And so thankfully, by the grace of God, things have subsided and I've kind of um, learned a lot of things that I'd love to share with you now about how he is um, gradually freeing me from that, though I still struggle with it, sometimes on a daily basis. Um, it's still something that he's teaching me and growing me in. So that's what I'm going to share with you today. So the first thing um, I'd really like to do is really just talk about what God has to say about anxiety. Um, so those of you who struggle with anxiety, you probably wore out this page in your Bible, and it's in Matthew 6. Um, verse 25 through 34. It won't be on the screen, so if you want to follow along or just listen, that's fine. So, once again, it's Matthew 6, 25 through 34. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious by saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So from that passage, what does it say specifically? Well, first of all, it talks about um, in Matthew 6.30, he calls us ye of little faith, which when I first heard that was kind of like a stab in the heart, like, oh, Sorry, God. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have enough faith. But he doesn't mean it in a way that is to condescend us because there's no more condemnation in Christ Jesus. But he means it is our grace is, is deficient, that it could grow. So first of all, it is a sin. It's a sin to be anxious. It's a sin to, to lack trust in our Heavenly Father because he knows all things. Um, and it also just shows that we're trusting in something other than him because God knows all things. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, and for us to doubt him is therefore a sin. Um, but that's a good news, bad news kind of thing. I mean, it's like an analogy I heard is like if you get the diagnosis of cancer, of course that's terrible, terrible news. Cancer is bad. But the good news in that is you know what it is. So by knowing that you struggle with anxiety or knowing that it's a sin, the bad news is it's a sin. It's, it's a bad thing. It separates you from Christ. But the good news is we know what it is, and we know how to combat that. So, so what do we do about it? Well, we stop. So 
That's all I got. No. <laughs> Stop sinning. No. Um, but no, God has given me a few things that um, it's actually four things that he really has laid on my heart. And the first thing is stop. I mean, that's the first thing he says in our section here is, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Stop being anxious. So to be more specific, what does that mean? Um, we can go in and say that... Um, we can stop trying to control everything and just realize that he is in control. We let that go. But before that, it's even more amazing how God, when he gives a command, when he says, do not do something, do this, do that, he doesn't expect the thing that he's commanding to do it in its own will, to do it in its own power. He gives power in his commands. I mean, if you think back in Genesis when he said, let there be light, did the light form on its own willpower? Did it somehow muster up enough energy to go forth? No, God commanded it and God gave the power to give the light. And it's the same when, um, when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. He said, Lazarus, come out. Do you think a dead body really has enough energy to command itself to, to come back to life? No, the command itself gives power. So when, when Jesus gives us a command, it's an awesome thing because in that command, we're getting the power to do it. So um, there, too, is also no condemnation in that because it's freeing. We want him to tell us what to do because in him telling us what to do, we get his power. So um, like I said, some of the other things that he would like us to stop doing is stop trying to control everything. And I'm not referring necessarily to self-control because that, um, well, that in itself, too, isn't from us. That's a fruit of the Spirit. So um, that meaning that he gives us the power to control ourselves. But we need to step back and just let him, him take control and to really know that he is in control and he has our good and um, his glory in mind. So um, another thing is... Um, we need to just really humble ourselves, and that's actually in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8, where it talks about, um, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So it takes humility to give up control. And I know I have control issues because I struggle with anxiety so much. I try to control every little thing and every little thing won't submit to my power. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but it won't. And when I'm humble enough to admit that and step back and say, okay, God, you know everything. You understand what's happening and why it's happening. And there's peace in that. So, um, another thing, too, is that we should stop feeling guilty about struggling, especially those of us who struggle with it on a daily basis. Um, sometimes I really beat myself up over it because, you know, Jesus called me, oh, ye of little faith, and I feel bad about that because it's like, God, do I not love you enough? Do I not trust you enough? Which is yes and yes, but the thing is, is um, there is, again, no condemnation in that, and he has given me the power to do it. But um, I really like John Piper and a lot of the stuff that he gives. And he gives a really awesome analogy about this for those of us who struggle with it on a daily basis to really realize that it's 
There's a difference between being faithless and having our faith attacked. So I'm just going to read his analogy because he says it better than I could. So he says, my answer to this concern goes like this. Suppose you're in a race car and your enemy who doesn't want you to finish the race throws mud on your windshield. The fact that you temporarily lose sight of your goal and start to swerve does not mean that you're going to quit the race. And it certainly doesn't mean that you are going to on the wrong track. <coughs> Otherwise, the enemy wouldn't even bother with you at all. What it means is that you should turn on your windshield wipers and use your windshield washer fluid. What I mean is this. When anxiety strikes and blurs our vision of God's glory and the greatness of the future that he has planned for us, this does not mean that we are faithless or that we will not make it to heaven. It means our faith is being attacked. At first blow, our belief in God's promises may sputter and swerve, but whether we stay on track and make it to the finish line depends on whether we set in motion a process of resistance, whether we fight back against anxiety. Will we turn on the windshield wipers and will we use our windshield washer fluid? So the windshield wipers are God, is God's word. And then the washer fluid is the Holy Spirit. And we need both to be able to really combat this, really any sin, but um, specifically with anxiety today. Um, because you need the Holy Spirit. And to get the Holy Spirit is you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you have accepted Christ into your heart, you read this word in a whole new light and it brings it to life in a way that all sin all anxieties all fears are washed away and um we just have to be persistent in in fighting that so the next thing so we go from stopping our anxiety stopping our our guilt stopping our our trying to control every little thing and we end up we shift and what I mean by that is God has given us the coolest brains ever. Like, we're able to shift our minds. Where animals, like, they are on instinct. I actually took a class this past Friday for my continuing education. I'm a massage therapist. And although it's kind of funny that I was able to take a class on the brain because I don't massage the brain. Um, but um, <laughs> I was able to learn a lot of really cool things. And it was actually on the overactive mind. And I thought it was perfect to take since I was doing this message today. So, um, but anyway, I could really talk about that probably the whole time. But it was really cool because he talked about how our frontal lobe, which is where we have our personality and our abilities to physically shift our minds, or not physically, but actually shift our minds to think of other things, where animals, they go on instinct. And I'm sure you've met people that you're, that they go on instinct. They, you say something offensive and they slap you in the face. And you're like, whoa, what happened to your frontal lobe? But, um, <laughs> and some people have issues with their frontal lobe. But anyway, so um, most of us have that awesome ability in our frontal lobes to be able to shift our minds and to think of other things. And so the things that we need to really be shifting our minds towards are the things of God. He wants us to take our eyes off of the things that are making us anxious, like standing up in front of a lot of people who are staring at you and not saying anything, and shifting it towards Christ and knowing that he is in control, that he is here, that he loves us, that he is for us, and all things are being worked out for my good and his glory, which is mind-blowing. So 
Um, let's go back to the text that I have today is um, in Matthew 6, 26 and in verse 28. Both of them have words that help us to shift. And in 26, it says, look at the birds of the air. Like Jesus is even telling us to do this, to shift our minds. Stop thinking about whatever's freaking you out right now and look at the birds. Most people are like, I don't have time to look at the birds. Like, I need to get my bills paid. I need to do this. I need to do that. Like, my to-do list is, like, growing instead of shrinking, and I don't understand. And God says, stop and shift. Look at the birds and see how beautiful they are. Like, they are they're taken care of. They have no worries. They are, they are fed, and they don't even have grocery stores. Like, they are fed, and they don't, they don't farm. They don't do those things that we feel we need to do, and we do need to do, but... And he also says in verse 28 to consider, which is a little bit deeper than just looking. He really wants us to learn thoroughly. And that takes more than just not only just shifting, but to really focus on those things. And um, so he really wants us to consider the lilies, the things that he's created, the intricacies that go into them. We take so many things for granted because we see them all the time. We need to stop shift and really look and appreciate and consider those things. So um, by doing that, it really helps to change our perspective and our outlook. We really need to stop doing the what if and start doing the even if. Um, In the class, it talked a lot about how um, anxieties are wrapped around the what ifs of the mind. And so many people struggle with, well, um, well, what if my alarm doesn't go off in the morning and, the, and then I'll be late for work and then I'll get fired and then my kids won't get an education because I won't have enough money and, and then they won't go to school and then, the, I mean, all that from their alarm not going off. <laughs> like, <laughs> calm down, it's okay. Um, and so, but see, I struggle with that. Not necessarily with the alarm clock, but my biggest fear is throwing up. I have a phobia of that and that's the thing that I've struggled with as a child and it's always, it goes from, well, what if I throw up to I'm going to die? <laughs> or what if I throw up or I'm going to be completely embarrassed and I'm not going to have any friends left? Or whatever it is, I don't completely understand it, but it goes, that's what these what ifs do. They go to the, the extremes. And what the Bible is telling us to do is, yeah, that stuff could happen. And that's what freaks me out and that's what the what ifs are bad about. Is It's like, well, what if that happens? And it's not saying, it's not necessarily good to say, well, that won't happen. Because you don't know. We don't know. That could happen. But the Bible is saying even if that happens, God is still there. God is still in control. God still loves you. And he is still working. He's not left you alone. So even if your alarm doesn't go off and you are late to work and you get fired and then your child can't go to college and then whatever, whatever, even if that happens, God works it out for the good He works it out for his glory and our good. So that's a really good example. Actually, in Daniel, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were um, going to be cast into the fire, and they weren't freaking out. They said, well, even if you throw us in there, my God is strong enough to save us. And he did. And, you know, he was so glorified in it because they didn't even smell like fire when they came out. And... God wouldn't have been as glorified. I mean, he still would have gotten glory, but could you imagine if that didn't even happen at all? That's such a powerful statement. So we really need to to be focusing, shifting our mind and focusing on 
the even ifs instead of the what ifs. So, um, and the power in that is that we have, if, we're, if we have Jesus in our hearts, we have the mind of Christ. And that's in 1 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16. It says um, the natural person, which would be, you know, the person who doesn't have Jesus, um, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually dis- they are not spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I kind of want to put in there, um, when I was at the class on Friday, talking about how people deal with anxieties, and specifically this time they were talking about traumas, and um, they had a lot of people who, it was, I guess, um, their children were going through terminal illness, and they were seeing how the parents reacted. And the number one uh, way to handle stress was to have religious rationalization. <laughs> and I just thought it was a little funny that they worded it that way, but I'm like, is it really rationalization when it's real? <laughs> but, um, but I guess if you want to look at it in the science mind, I mean, he wouldn't understand that because the guy who was giving the class, he doesn't have the mind of Christ because he isn't saved. And I'm you know, praying that the Lord soften his heart to see that the rationalization is real, but that... Um, even in the world, they see the outworkings of truth because he saw that it was working, but they just didn't understand what it actually was. So um, anyways, with, with that, to be able to fine-tune our minds, the minds of Christ, um, it's really important to, to use Bible verse memorization. In those times where you're stuck in a situation and you're not in your comfort zone. Like for me, I have places where I feel most comfortable. So like when I'm put in one of those uncomfortable places, I don't have my like go-to play, like little oh, comfort blankets, if you want to think of them that way. Um, this is when Bible memorization, the verses are very important to have because those will always be with you. So it's very important to spend time really to try to memorize those key verses that will really help you, whether you struggle with anxiety or whatever your struggles are, really find the verses in Scripture that pertain to that, whether they're commands, because remember, commands give power, um, or a lot of times, too, um, in most of the commands, God, it'll give the command, but then right after, it'll give a promise. He doesn't tell us to do something without promising something else, which is really, really awesome. So try to spend time to, to remember that, and we really need to do that because we're so apt to forget. Um, we're terrible. We have terrible memories. Even those of us with great memories, we have terrible memories. I mean, we like to look at the Old Testament and the Israelites. They're like, oh, they're so dumb. Like, do you not remember what Jesus just did for you? Like, he, God sent you out of Egypt and he gave you this wonderful land, but we're just like them. Like, you know, we do the same exact thing. God blesses us and we're so thankful for a day and a half and then... We're like, oh, my life's miserable. I wish I had this. Or, you know, why, can't, why do I still have this struggle? Or why is it this way? So I really encourage you to not only memorize scripture, but also to, um, to make a journal and make it as personal as you feel comfortable doing. I mean, over time, um, I think it would get more and more personal. But that's a great way to, to remember 
because I, I love keeping journals. I feel like every time I speak, I tell everyone to make journals. <laughs> but it's really good. Do a journal. Um, <laughs> they're awesome. Um, because I love going back. I'll, it's really terrible. I'll be cleaning the house, and I'll find one of my old journals, and then I stop cleaning the house, and I read my journal for like an hour. And it's really neat to see where you've come from and, like, the things that God has. Because a lot of times mine will turn into a prayer. I'll start um, saying, oh, woe is me sort of stuff, and then I end up praying. And it's really cool to see the answered prayers that I forgot I even prayed about. And then that's an awesome time to be able to say, thank you, God. Like, I'm so grateful that that you did answer that, even though I forgot I even asked for it. So um, he is answering prayer more than we even realize. So journals, um, sticky notes around your house. I have little spots in my home where I have those key verses that I really want to be ingrained in my mind. I have those like in the cabinet when I open my spices. There's a verse there. I mean, just all over the place. You have a little to help you remember. Even, you know, even though I don't always read it every time I open it, it's there, you know. So to have that, make it as personal as you can. And even in those places where you Maybe you have conflict in the office or um, wherever that sort of place. Like, kind of have, put remembrance there. You know, put your verse scripture there. So when you're in that uncomfortable place, you can have that that reminder. So even artwork, whatever, whatever it is, to just help you remember the things that he's doing and that he will continue to do. So, So once we stop and we shift... We can't stop there. We have to seek. And this is in um, Matthew 6, 32 and 33, where he says, um, For the Gentiles seek. So everyone's seeking, okay? Even the Gentiles are seeking. Everyone is seeking after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So... Um, we just need to be continually seeking him. So many times um, we end up, when we get anxious, we end up seeking after, well, I don't need God because, you know, he's not helping me right now. So I need to be seeking after the answer to whatever's making me freak out. So we're seeking, we're always seeking after something. And he's saying to stop, shift, and seek after me first. And then I will guide you in the things that need to be done so we need to seek first his righteousness. And the ways that we can do that, because um, that just seems kind of an abstract thing, like, you know, I can't see, touch, or feel God, so how do I necessarily seek after him? Um, I've heard of it this way. It's kind of called, they're called channels of grace, um, which I'm a very visual person, so I really like thinking of, of that as, like, actual, like, river channels. There's channels of grace, and, of course, the greatest channel of grace is his his word to us. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing that he speaks to us. So listen to him daily, every hour if you need, you know, whatever you need, at least daily, go to his word. And that is a channel of grace. Um, And I mean that in the sense of, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to hear some profound thing every time you open up the scripture and your anxieties are going to melt away and you're just going to be floating around the rest of the day. Um, but it means you're more apt to actually hear him when you're taking the time to listen. And I, <laughs> another side note, um, yesterday when I was looking at some stuff, I forget the name of the website. It's like wisegeek.com or something like that. And I was looking at stuff, and um, 
this thing popped up, and it had a whole bunch of little, like, tidbits, like, trivia things. And um, one of them was the word silent and listen consist of the same letters. So think about that. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just thought that was really cool. So that kind of fits in there. We need to be able to be silent to listen to what he's saying. So take that, that channel of grace. And, of course, another channel of grace um, is prayer. And um, that's kind of where sometimes I, I'm really, uh, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I feel like I'm good at reading the Bible every day because I've, I've set a discipline. You know, while I'm eating my breakfast, I'm reading the Word. But then I'm really bad about really letting it soak in and then praying and conversing back with him. Um, so one cool thing that I kind of learned actually from the class, though he didn't say prayer, he was talking about in meditation, but I apply it to prayer. When you're praying and those things that pop into your head, because those of you here, I'm sure there are people here who don't struggle with anxiety um, often, So, um, but we all do to an extent. And so when this is a really good way to kind of see what your anxieties are, because I know for me, sometimes I feel anxious and I'm like, what am I even freaking out about? Like, I don't, I feel like I'm, as Eddie likes to call it, I'm in the blender, but um, I don't understand why the blender's on, like what is happening. So that's an awesome time to stop and to pray. And as you're praying, the things that interrupt your prayer, the things that interrupt your mind, that's what you need to be praying about. That's a, those are the things that you need to be saying, okay, Lord, forgive me for this. Lord, help me with this. Lord, take this, wrap it up, and take care of it. And um, so that's a really a great way to kind of see what's what's causing your anxiety. And um, and then there are times where you don't even need to question what's causing my anxiety. You can pinpoint it and, of course, take that to him. So um, another thing that we really need to be seeking out is to be taking care of our physical bodies, too. Um, it's amazing how God created us. We are in Psalm 139, uh, verse 15, which I love Psalm 139, period, but... Um, Verse 15, it says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth or the womb. We are so intricately woven that what affects any part of our being affects the other parts of our being. So it's very important to be taking care of our physical and our mental and our spiritual um, parts of our bodies. So um, it's amazing what... And he talked a lot about this on, in my class on Friday about how how much eating and exercising really does affect how we feel emotionally. And so, um, of course, this comes after seeking the Lord. Uh, we should never put this before. And a lot of times, when you seek the Lord, He will He'll guide you in what to do. He'll guide you in how to take care of yourself physically, how to take care of yourself um, emotionally and mentally. And sometimes he guides you to professional help, and that's okay. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in having to take medications. There's no shame in having to talk to a counselor if you cannot control your anxieties because there are actually disorders with this where it just it riles its head and there is no trigger, it seems. And so this is when um, it's okay. There is no shame. But like I said... And you need to really seek God first in this because um, I also, too, believe that there is an overabundance of people on medication when they don't necessarily need to be on it. So 
that's why we seek first the kingdom of God, and he will guide us in, in truth. And um, a way that I kind of like to, to know what God is saying, because sometimes it's really hard to understand, like, well, God, what are you really saying in this? Like, I feel that we should be doing this, or I should be doing that, but I don't really know what you're saying. Um, that, again, is when you stop and you shift and you seek. But you really, I like to follow the peace. I kind of go through the list of the things that I think will help, and I, I stop, I think about the one. It's like, okay, Lord, do you want me to do this? And then I stop. And then I go on down the list, and wherever I feel the peace is the one that I focus on for a little while and continue to pray about, and if the peace remains, that's where I go. And if it ends up being wrong, God will tell you. He will not let you go too far away before he pulls you back. He is awesome like that. Um, but follow his peace. Um, so so that's a great way with um, any questions you might have towards God. So follow his peace. But all of that... All that stopping, all that, that shifting of our minds and our seeking leads us to Sabbath. And this is the final thing. And this is where we want to end up. And this is where we want to be all the time is in, our, in the Sabbath. And did you know Sabbath is a noun? It's not a verb. It is a person, place, or thing, which is a noun. Um, so <laughs> the Sabbath is a place. It's a great place to be. So many times, so much of this world is about doing, about um, what do I do next? And like, um, how do I do this thing called Sabbath? It's like, well, you don't do it. You go there. And to go there, you need to follow this stopping and shifting and seeking him. And even if your circumstance, even if your circumstances don't change, you can still have Sabbath. You can still have rest and peace in him. It's funny, actually, Lucas asked me to do this message. He asked me way back in December, so I've been freaking out since December about doing this. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, no, it got a lot better. But um, for our word of the year, um, mine was rest. So when I was first thinking about it, I'm like, well, what should I do? And I was like, well, I guess I could talk about my word and why I chose this word and stuff. And and then it seemed like for the first, like, month and a half, Lucas talked about rest, like, every Sunday. So I'm like, well, I guess I can't talk about rest because I don't want to, like, keep talking about rest. <laughs> so, but it's amazing because then we went on a, a leadership retreat in February, and everyone was praying over me about because of this Sunday. And um, Lucas had said, well, I feel like maybe you should be talking about anxiety because there are a lot of people who struggle with it, and um, he doesn't really, um, he can't relate. He doesn't struggle with it as often. So, um, I was like, okay, so um, that I actually got peace from that because then at least I knew what I was going to be speaking on. So anyway, it's just it's awesome how I wanted to speak on rest, and yet we're, we're still speaking on rest. We're, I'm going to get my way. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, <clears throat> but it really does. I mean, the only way to truly get through this anxiety, to get through the fears, I mean, anxiety and fear go hand in hand, um, is to really rest in him. And that's really why I chose that word, is to be able to, to rest in him, even if the, the struggles don't go away, even if the circumstances are still here, um, to be able to go through life in Sabbath. Because Sabbath, though it's a place, it's also a way of living. It's, it's more than a day. It's more than an hour that you set aside. It's to be able to go through your life trusting God enough to be able to rest in his arms. And if you think about it, I mean, children are that way. They completely trust their parents. They have 
they're able to sleep through church because <laughs> they trust that mom and dad will wake me up when it's time to go home and eat lunch. Like, it's totally, it's a total trust in, in the creator. And so, um, and again, the way to really help with the, the times to really get to the Sabbath is is to to focus on his promises. And some of the promises in this scripture um, <coughs> is in um, Matthew 6.26, after he said, look at the birds, um, he talks about how he feeds them, and he shows that we are more valuable. Um, in 6, 28 through 30, after considering that the flowers of the field and realizing that they don't really matter because they're here today and gone tomorrow, um, how much more he will clothe us. And when he talks about clothing us, a lot of times people are like, well, then how come there are homeless Christians? Or how come there's this? We're not of this world. Like, and we are to call we are called to help those who are in physical distress and who need clothing. I'm not saying that, but there's so much more to this life than what we see. I I feel he's really talking about clothing us in righteousness to make us more like his son. And that is way better than any sort of physical thing that we could get here on earth. So he cares about us that much that he came and died for us so that could be possible. So he promises to clothe us in righteousness. And in um, 6.33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Okay, so he doesn't just say, seek first the kingdom of God and then leave it there. He says, um, so that all, uh, seek God and all of his righteousness, so that all of these things will be added unto you. So he knows, and that's what it says in the scripture before, in the verse before, it talks about, it's like your father knows, he knows what you need. He knows exactly what you need. He knows what you need before you even know what you need, and he knows what you want before you even know what you want. So if we just trust him and his timing, (laughs) that's the one that everyone's like, (laughs) his timing is the hard part, Um, but trust in his timing, it will he knows, and he will, he will provide all that you need. And a lot of times what we think we need, once we rest in him, we end up realizing, well, maybe I didn't really need that. Did I really need all those clothes? Did I really need that big fancy car? Did I really need that? So um, it's amazing how God changes and shifts us um, by simply seeking him and shifting our minds and, and resting in him. So another promise that he gives in this is... Um, it says, therefore, do not, this is in um, verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And honestly, I kind of struggle with that one because I'm like, so you're telling me that every day there's going to be anxiety because he says tomorrow will be anxious enough for itself. And I'm like, I don't want to be anxious tomorrow, too. I just want to, I don't want it at all. But what he's saying is take it a day at a time. Like, it's never, it's, it's not meant to exceed the love. Like, God's mercies are new every morning. He is sufficient for every day. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is taken care of. Just worry, but don't worry, about today. Like, take care of today. Today is sufficient for itself. And he is in the moment. He is here today. So, um, and another great one, um, and the last, like, Big, well, one of the last ones is um, it's actually from Isaiah 41.10. This one has a ton of promises in it, and that's why I love this one so much. Um, it's fear not, for I am with you. That's the first one. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Why are we afraid? We have the God of the universe who is with us. He is our God. He's strengthening us. He's helping us. And he's upholding us with his righteous right hand. So apparently God's right-handed. Um, so <laughs> but um, it's just amazing to me. I actually heard um, the other day about how having the struggle with anxiety is almost a blessed struggle because those of us who struggle with it have some of the best promises. <laughs> I mean, when you're afraid, he's right there. Like, he doesn't leave us. He's strengthening us. He's upholding us. So it's really cool. And I just encourage you guys to really kind of take that as a, I mean, this isn't something that you necessarily have to, you can't really do it out of order because if you're trying to, to Sabbath but you haven't stopped and you haven't shifted and, and sought after him, then it's, the Sabbath isn't really going to be the place of rest. You're still going to be struggling. So it really is a full cycle, and it may be you're just missing one of the pieces. And it is a lifetime thing. Like Hopefully it's not a lifetime struggle, but... It is something that we're always going to be having to do, whether it's struggling with anxiety or struggling with some other sort of, sort of sin in our life. It's going to be something that we're going to have to constantly pursue, and we're always going to be seeking after him. So let's just um, not take life so seriously and just enjoy it and trust that God is in control and that he loves us and he wants the very best for us. So um, I just want to leave you with this, and it's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if you're struggling with anxiety, know that you are not alone because you're not alone because God is with you, but you're not alone because you have brothers and sisters that are also struggling too. And some of us... Um, have gone through it long enough to know how how it feels but also how to pull yourself from it and to kind of recognize the the triggers so um yeah i would love to pray with you so heavenly father i just want to thank you lord god for just being with us for pursuing after us lord when we don't even pursue after you when we're too focused on the things that are are pulling us away from your truth lord god i just pray that you would forgive us we repent, Lord God, and repentance truly just means to shift our minds. We turn our minds away from the things that are pulling us away from you, Lord, and we turn to you. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you care for us and that you want the very best for us, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord, for a special blessing over those who are struggling with anxiety, even in this moment, Lord, whether it's something they struggle with on a daily basis or if it's because of a circumstance in their life, whether it's an illness or a financial or family drama, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would, you would help them. You would give them the power to turn their minds away from those things and to really seek you first, to really know that you are in control and that you love us, Lord. And that is just all powerful. And I just thank you, Lord God, for all that you're doing. And I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to share a little bit about myself and the things that you have taught me, Lord. And I just pray that the things that are of you that would take deep root in our hearts and the things that are not of you, Lord God, would just be washed away. And it's in your son's wonderful name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.
This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on, be.